and welcome to episode 183 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I am your proud host, Howard Kravitz. Thanks for joining us tonight on what will be a fantastic podcast covering the big races this weekend in New York, Belmont at Aqueduct, including Breeders' Cup win and you're in stake races and the late pick five with a fantastic special guest, Jason Blewett from West Point Thoroughbreds. Please make sure you subscribe on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. Smash that thumbs up button. I'll tell YouTube this is a great show. And then please make sure you hit the notification bell, which will tell you when new content will arise on the show. You can see my name tag, at H Kravitz, to reach me on Twitter. And then below on the scroll, you can find my email address, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. Of course, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor on all those listening platforms. The race, the formerly race day blog, now called Power Picks, is up and running. This is a fantastic time to get our Power Picks. If you don't know about our Power Picks, they are, it's a tip sheet that comes out every Saturday. The ROI is close to $2.50. We've given out many pick fours, pick fives, ABC grids, eight to one shots, 10 to one shots. You can look down below the video player. You sign up through Patreon. Highly recommend, if you have not looked into that, it is well worth your money, especially with big races coming up here in October and November. And then, of course, we have a fantastic website as well, hhhracingpodcast.com. I got a few other exciting things to talk about, but before we do that, I have to have my co-host join me for some very exciting news. Let's do that right now from the Saratoga Special, Mr. Paul Halloran, and from Maryland. Pete Visco, guys, how are we doing tonight? What's up, Howard and Paul? Long doing time good. no see. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Guys, got some exciting news I want to talk about. First of all, um, I want to bring up something on the screen here. Uh, let me just get this set up real quick here because there's something very exciting happening this weekend on – I didn't want to do that. Okay, I'll tell you. I'm not going to bring it up. We'll just talk about it. I'm going to bring up a banner instead, guys. Uh, let, me, whoop, let me get rid of that. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Uh, there it is. Well, how do I get that off? Okay, cancel it. Sorry, there we go. That's what I want to do, guys. So myself and uh, Kyle, uh, as you two know, but I don't know if the public knows, we are competing live for over $20,000 in prizes, including a BCBC seat. Um, you can check us out 3 p.m. Eastern this Saturday on the Hawthorne Racecourse YouTube channel. We're going against some of the top handicappers in the country. It's an exciting live betting contest race, six mandatory races, $200 bets. And then the last race, uh, Pete and Paul, is interesting. Everyone has to bet a minimum, get this, guys, a minimum of $800 in the last race, which is the Hawthorne Derby. It's a three-year-old race for a mile and eighth on the turf. And you're going to guarantee to have $800 to bet in that race. So Kyle and I are going to be firing. Wish us good luck. We're going to try to represent the HHH Racing Podcast well, guys, and try to get a BC, BC seat, which we're really uh, excited about. Now, the other thing I want to mention, did you guys happen to watch the first race today at Aqueduct? Either one of you. I did not. I did not, but I saw some stuff on Twitter. It seemed like it was an eventful race, but I'm not really sure why. Maybe you, well, could, you could fill I, us I in. I'm not sure why. And, and our, our Jason Blewett might be, uh, uh, find this pretty cool considering you know he's, he's in the ownership game uh, with West Point. Yours truly broke his ownership maiden. I won my very first race ever. 
as an owner, I have a very small piece, full disclosure. I have bigger pieces of other horses with Adelphi. But this horse right here, we're just going to show the uh, stretch run, and I'll talk it through. The number six, Funny How, for Adelphi Racing. This is a three-year-old Philly, New York bred. Broker maiden today. How about seven to one, guys, beating Arrogant Lady. Here's Funny How, got a nice setup. Trevor McCarthy goes left hand and comes over the top. This was an open company race, by the way, guys. An open company race. And so she gets an extra almost $10,000, Paul, winning an open company race as a New York bred. And this purse already was 95000 So that was there's Funny How right there winning uh, Broke My Maiden. Do you guys remember winning your uh, first race as an owner, guys? Uh, TBA. <laughs> oh, okay, Paul, Pete, you're with uh, you. You've won some, obviously. Yeah, I mean the the the, the very small amounts in, in the my <laughs> racehorse game, but it's still it's still fun when you, especially if you're watching a horse for a while and they're training up to their first race and then they yeah. get one. It's it's exciting no matter what. So I'll, I'll never complain about it, regardless of whether you get a little or basically no money out of it. It's still fun to watch them win. I was I was very excited. Hey Pete, while I'm talking, uh, while I'm going to bring up Jason, if you could bring us some common speed for us on the uh, yeah, be a, lot, a lot of people joining us. If you are whether you're new to the show or not, please join us in the live chat, top right hand side of the screen. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate that. Especially if you are with West Point Thoroughbreds, if you are a partner or have any interest in West Point Thoroughbreds, welcome to the HHH Racing Podcast. As we're going to bring on Jason Blewett here uh, in just a moment, we want to hear all about your comments and your opinions and everything. All right, guys. Hey, Lon, how are we doing? Thanks a lot, everyone, enjoying the show. All right, Pete, we are good. Charles, thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right, guys, let's bring on our, our guest tonight. This is a gentleman that I've been a big fan of for a long time. I first saw him, I think, on probably watching Naira and Talking Horses with Andy Serling and Eric Donovan and the boys there. I had the pleasure to meet him for the first time in person down at Gulfstream, the 2019 Florida Derby, which was won by Massive Security. I'll tell the story about that because he treated me like a king for no reason other than it's Jason Blewett, and he's a great guy. And then I saw him again uh, recently. I think it was at the Belmont, uh, or maybe it was actually in Saratoga that we um, hooked up again. Um, been a big fan. If, you don't, if you're not familiar with this guy, you're going to learn a lot more about him. He is the partner account representative for West Point Thoroughbreds coming in from Saratoga, still in Saratoga, the one and only, Mr. Jason Blewett. Jason, how are you doing tonight? Everything's good, and, and congratulations, Howard. I did not know, A, you were on the ownership side of things, and B, because I watched today's first race live, that you're in You're in on that filly. She's got a great name, win, lose, or draw. <laughs> you know, naturally, I can't help, and I love Goodfellas. I love the Sopranos. So when I saw her debut – just that name in the program a couple of months back at Belmont in the, uh, in the summertime, just a, just a great name. And yeah, she, she ran well, had a great trip from that outside post. And to be fair, caught a couple of Phillies who were off long layoffs, but that doesn't matter, man. That's a nice purse and New York bred and open company. So great job. Funny how not to be confused with another great name. Now is you can't leave, which is a horse that has run in New York. Uh, another great name. Listen, we, you know this game very well, Jason. You got to get a little lucky. It was a, sort of a weaker open company race. We were actually going to wait for a New York red race, but uh, the, the, the race didn't fill. So Ray Handel decided, let's just go for it. It was a small field. She got a, a great trip and it all worked out. And uh, listen, New York red, as, I, as you know well, and Paul works for the Saratoga special, Jason, we get that extra bonus winning an open company. So the New York bread program is tremendous. 
huge, huge fan of the New York bread program, being a New York bread myself. But I mean, all through my years at Naira naturally, and as we've all, I mean, all of us are, are students of the game and, and lovers of the game. We've watched the, that the New York bread program evolve. I mean, even going back to the early 2000s with funny side and then commentator. So no, a job well done. And it's a program I know as far as West Point thoroughbreds, uh, we support and we're always looking. We picked up a, a couple of very nice New York bread yearlings over the summer here in Saratoga. And, and your filly looks like uh, she could have a big winter, man. That's the kind of horse I'd love to have with those purses at the big A. She's got speed and Ray does a great job handle. And who's to say we've seen her best. I think she's still yeah. very much an unfinished pro- project there and a product as, as well. So uh, yeah, congratulations well- and love the New York breads. Yeah, appreciate it. A lot of credit to Matt Kutzer, the managing partner, who does a fantastic job with the Delphi Racing and all the crew, and they had some partners out there today. Jason, we have uh, – this podcast has grown leaps and bounds in the, in the uh, 20 months it's been on the show. We have over 160,000 views on this show. We've had a lot of fantastic guests like yourself, especially from – Naira with Stabile, Andy Serling, Acacia Courtney, Clement, I could go on and on. But we do have a lot of younger viewers. And I know you're still a pretty young guy, but there might be some people that are not familiar with your background. So very briefly, we're going to talk about 10 minutes about yourself and about West Point Thoroughbreds. Very briefly, give the, the short version of how you got into racing and especially your New York connections. Yeah, fair enough. It's crazy. I look back almost 30 years on into again, loving racing more than anything in life until my, my last breath on earth. And I just think, you know, how crazy, how crazy life is that, you know, one seemingly innocuous decision could change your life forever, whether you meet your significant other, whatever the case might be. But going back, my dad, I grew up in floor park, New York, which is a town bordering, on Belmont Park. And I actually went to junior high and high school at Floor Park Memorial, which is the school located on Plainfield Avenue on the other side of Belmont. It wasn't until the summer going into 10th grade that I had any interest in racing at all. My dad was volunteering for the Floor Park Youth Council. They were sponsoring the Youth Council, a family day at Belmont Park. And summer vacation had just started and my dad got tickets and I didn't want to go. And he said, look, tough. We're spending the day as a family, (laughs) you, me, your sister and your mom, you're going. And I can still remember kind of being dragged there. didn't want to go, but I can really like crystal clear. Remember walking out onto the apron and just the, the beauty, the greenery, the expansiveness at belt of Belmont. And that was before I ever saw a single horse and that day changed my life forever. I wound up writing some local local art articles for a, uh, a town newspaper in, in Floor Park called The Gateway, leading up to the Breeders' Cup at Belmont in 1995. Of course, that was in the midst of the great cigar and his winning streak. And that gave me a body of work that I eventually won. It's a shame the organization no longer exists, but I won a, a scholarship. The New York Turf Riders had a a scholarship, 5,000 bucks, but most importantly, you got to intern at Saratoga. And I won that scholarship back in 1996, the year I graduated high school. And that summer prior to starting college, I got to spend, spend pretty much four weeks or so, just shy of the whole meet back then in Saratoga, interning for Naira in the press box. And boom, it's like fast forward, 
here we are. That's how I got my foot in the door. And I've just been, again, as you get older, you look back and you just think about the twists and turns of life, the good and the bad, and just the, the whole thing. And I, I just, I've always, I've always, from winning that scholarship to talking to you guys on this podcast, I've always had people in my corner willing to give me an opportunity. So I've been very blessed and lucky in that regard. And my career was almost 20 years long at Naira. I was hired wow. by the Stronic Group. They relocated me and my then girlfriend, now wife, from Long Island down to Fort Lauderdale. I kind of quarterbacked the Gulfstream Park a handicapping feed, the uh, daily feed there for GP for almost four years, and then was stolen away by the great Terry Finley and Debbie Finley of West Point. And that brings us kind of up to speed in a very Cliff Notes version sure. of uh, the last uh, 30 years or so. Well, you've been surrounded by some incredible people, and it's it's all a lot of it because of your your hard work, and and, and you deserve all that uh, success. Speaking of Florida, and I should have mentioned this on our Tuesday show, Jason, just on behalf of the HHH Racing Podcast, anyone who hears this, we want to wish everyone a safe recovery. We hope everyone is doing well down in Florida. It was absolutely a horrific hurricane, Jason. I'm sure you've possibly been through them, or you know what that's all about, being down at Gulfstream. Um, this this hit the west coast of, of Florida, I guess Naples and, and Fort Myers. Jason, I'm sure you have some connections to people down there. Let's just let's just hope everyone turned out okay because those hurricanes are nothing to mess with. No, they're not. Uh, Irma was the first hurricane. Now, granted, on Long Island, growing up, had experienced a couple of them over the years. I mean, Superstorm Sandy really comes to mind back what was that I think 2012 but no I mean Christina my wife and I our first fall in Florida was when Irma hit it was stressful it was scary but um yeah we're with everybody anyone listening in Florida racing fans in Florida West Point partners we're with you and thinking of everybody for sure absolutely let's get into West Point thoroughbred you already mentioned Terry Billy who I had a pleasure to just I want to introduce myself uh, this, this summer at Belmont and Saratoga, um, who's the president and CEO. I've got the website up here, Jason. Very quickly, tell everyone what you do with West Point as I bring up the um, the um, cha- the uh, sorry the internet here that you guys have. Talk about what you do with West Point and how you got involved with them in the first place. So I've known Terry Finley. We've been friends a long time, probably close to twenty years. Uh, met Terry years ago at at Saratoga. Uh, and he's a wonderful, charismatic, really bright guy. So, again, we've been close friends. Tom Bellhouse, who's a colleague of mine and co-worker now, Tommy's a local guy in Saratoga, been friends with him. He's one of the greatest guys you'd ever ever meet in the, in the course of your life. So, again, having a, an existing relationship with West Point, I was not looking, even though I had known Terry and Tommy for a long time and respected the stable and certainly the West Point brand and with always dreaming they've had had a Kentucky Derby winner I was not looking or thinking about a career change when out of the blue I got a text this would have been right around Breeders Cup time in 2020 it was a Monday or a Tuesday and I got a text from Terry and I said to my wife because we weren't racing those days at Gulfstream it's a dark day I said oh you know I just got a a text from Terry Finley. He must want to, once the winter meet starts at Gulfstream, maybe he wants to set up, grab dinner after the races one night. And sure enough, he said, call me when you've got a few. I called him and said, look, I've thought long and hard about this, but we've got an open spot. You're the guy. I think, again, I've done a lot of soul searching. I think this will be a position that you'll excel at. 
And I thought about it because my job, it's sales. Okay. So you've got to produce, you've got to, we buy horses, West Point buys horses at auction. You then have to sell those horses to existing partners and hopefully new partners. My job though, sales is part of it. It's really about creating relationships with, with, with partners. And I've got a lot of West Point partners now, people I didn't know prior to starting with the company in February of 2021 that are some of my closest friends now. It's a very close-knit, close-knit stable. And Terry said, look, I think this is a, a gig you'll excel at. And uh, it's been unbelievable. I thought about it long and hard. It wasn't an immediate yes. Uh, my wife and I talked about it uh, for a few weeks. I got advice talk to my parents. Mike Rapoli's a very good friend of mine. Mike and I had some pretty lengthy conversations. And the question was, do you give up a, a career and a job that you enjoy, that you're pretty good at? And Gulfstream was great to work for. They, they took great care of me. And go in, although it's the same industry, kind of go into the great unknown. I've never had to sell anything before. Maybe some bad, bad picks on the air. But in terms <laughs> of like having to produce... You know, that was that was pretty nerve wracking. But in the end, I said, you know, at the time I would have been almost 43. It was like, you know what, let's do it. Let's 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 see how it goes. And I people ask me all the time, which I'm flattered about, as you might imagine, how's the gig? How's the West Point job going? And I look back and I don't know what expectations I had other than it not wanting to go poorly or not being terrible at the job. But Again, the first year and a half I've worked for, for Terry and Debbie Finley, it, it, any expectations I would have had, it's they've been exceeded probably tenfold. Just in terms of the team I work with, my colleagues from Terry and Debbie on down uh, to the partners fanning out. We have north of 600 partners now. The stable's really big. And just getting to, to travel and go back to Saratoga for the summer, uh, there's a flexibility with this job. And the bonus, the cherry on top, was starting in February of 2021. And about eight weeks later, Flightline debuted. So to be able to sit shotgun with this, he's not even a once-in-a-lifetime horse. This great, amazing horse that I get to, you know, ride alongside now. It's just, it's hard to put it into words without just getting into cliches. But it's been been an awesome year and a half for West Point. It really has. Well, we're going to talk about Flightline, uh, and so there's other you know West Point horses that we need to mention as well. Paul, I'll let you go and ask a question for Jason if you have them, and I'm also going to show, as Paul's asking a question, these are some of the horses. I'm assuming these are some from the September Keelan sale, I would assume, Jason. And after Correct. Paul asks your question, if you'd like to talk about one or two of these horses you guys really like, that'd be great. Paul, do you have a question for Jason? Yeah, well, just Jason, I, I, I imagine what's enjoyable, and you know, I see you every in the mornings when I'm at Saratoga, you know, and we cross paths at the Oklahoma and the main track, but I would think that, uh, in a, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I couldn't sell anything to anyone, but it, it seems like the primary part of your job is relationships. And sometimes that means selling, but it also means, you know, I see you in the paddock and, you know, you're before a race and you're introducing partners to the jockey and it's really about relationships, right? It is. It is. And I've always been, I don't know where it came from. I've always been somebody that not only was pretty, pretty positive, uh, but I've also been someone that has always worn 
their heart on their sleeve, not only with racing, but really any of my passions in life. It's just the way I am. So that was, it's about the relationships and you want everybody to have a positive experience, whether you've got a fast horse or maybe a horse that's underachieved a little bit. It's a very tough game and not an inexpensive hobby. So, you know, you need to be like, especially, and it's a long summer in Saratoga, you need to be in a good mood. You need to be up. You got to remember you may be talking to somebody that this is their their summertime trip, something they've been dreaming about for the last 12 months. And, you know, maybe you're a little tired or, again, got beaten a tough photo a few races ago. So it's just about treating people well and with respect. And uh, as a whole, I think West Point, West Point does that. And uh, it's just been it's been a lot of fun. And it's fun to just interact with people like hanging out with you guys tonight, people that love the game and love racing. Well, just to piggyback on that, folks, if you're waiting for a handicap and we're to get there about five or 10 minutes here, again, we're with Jason Blewett from West Point Thoroughbreds. Let me just piggyback exactly off of what you said, Jason, and tell everyone the first time I met you. Very briefly, I went down to Gulfstream for the first time ever, 2019. I always wanted to meet yourself and Ron Nicoletti, who, of course, does a great job down there. I know you're good friends with him. I, Ronnie, I, yep. I, yeah, Ronnie, absolutely. Still there. Still still working with, with another the good best. guy, Brian Nadow, who's been on this show mm -hmm. as well. Anyway, I, I wait for them to be done in the prattle. They talk. I introduce myself to Jason. Literally, within two minutes of our conversation, after I tell him it's my first time at Gulfstream, and it, we there was a grade three that was about to happen, and Suge was in there, and Fletcher, and all, all big Clement, all big names. And Jason said, you want to go into the paddock? And I'm like, you're kidding, right? He's like, no, go go ahead in there. There's no, there's like no security, which shocked me. Man. He, he opened the gate. I had no credentials. He's like, it's all good. Jason, I want to thank you for that. That was the first time I was actually in the paddock before a race and, and showed me gay who, who I love was like literally 10 feet from me. It was so awesome. That's the kind of relationship building you're talking about. So I appreciate yeah, that. Jason. Absolutely. And you, and well, I, and I appreciate you behaving yourself. Okay. And you didn't get kicked <laughs> oh, by a horse. So that would have been, no, 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 that I would did. have been a disaster. And actually, well, that weekend, uh... here's a great flashback. I, I don't know how good your memory is. I gave you a horse that weekend that I loved. It was one of the, I can't remember the name of it. It was a long distance race. I gave you Moretti in the like mile and like a half dirt race that weekend. Went off of like nine to two and one. And after the race, I came back and, Gave you a little thumbs up. You gave me a thumbs up back. Uh, so Moretti won that weekend in 2019, uh, who's like a long-distance dirt horse. You remember that horse, Jason? I mean, of course Fletcher, I do. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And that was the last winner you you ever gave anybody. <laughs> Absolutely. No. Now, yeah. you must have no, me confused he... with Nicoletti. What are you talking about? Anyway. Yeah, uh, boy. But, no, I remember Moretti and remember meeting <laughs> you and glad you had a good time and, and you're spot on. This is, this is a rundown of – of the yearling class that we, we still have a little availability in. Um, we've sold out many horses, which is, which is wonderful and want to thank West Point partners again for their support. There is no West Point without our partners. Uh, there's some heavy hitters on this list. We've got a really good thing naturally going with John Sather out on the West coast and John's getting uh, a couple of these horses. In fact, more than a couple and the bottom Philly, in fact, this Uncle Mo Philly, I'll talk about her just briefly. I'm obviously a lover of all things Uncle Mo, uh, given my close friendship with uh, with Mike Rapoli over the last 20 years and got to, again, ride shotgun at all his races with Mike and his family back, which was incredible. But 
aside from this Philly having the same, um, whatchamacallit, same pedigree or sire of, as a horse that I love, this horse is actually out of a dam who's a half-sister to Justify, which I think is pretty incredible. She's by a Harlan's or out of a Harlan's holiday mare, in fact. And when you slot in the Uncle Mo, I mean, she is big, she is strong, and she looks powerful as you know you know what. She'll go out to John Sadler uh, next spring to train. Yeah, it's exciting. You guys did a great job at the sales. The other thing I really wanted to show everyone, that's really, there's Sadler there, about the website, I need to actually go back, is you guys on the website, you have you talk about the horses that have run, which I think is really important if you keep scrolling down. And again, we're going to move on in just a second. But here are some entries and results. You can see who they recently have run. You've got some horses running this weekend that we're going to talk about, Jason. Anyway, whoever does the website does a fantastic job. And we're going to talk about the big boy here in a second because we're going to talk about the first race uh, of the pick five on Saturday. So hats off. Uh, to whoever runs the website. Real quick question. Yeah, from Lon. We have questions at the bottom of the screen. Um, how was it putting the partnership together from Lon Garfield? Lon, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, no, thanks for the question, Lon. Now, Flightline, West Point bought him in the in the summer of 2019, August of 2019, at the Saratoga Yearling Sale for a million dollars. I hadn't started with the company yet. So again, you know, you talk about just needing timing in life. I'm, I'm kind of able to just enjoy the spoils of this whole thing when the hard work off the bat was put together. But from I thought the that was story, your million dollars that bought the, that wasn't your million that bought the horse. No, I would have been a, a little short. I would have come to you for a loan. In fact, no, no, you know? no, no. You come to that but, guy for a loan right over there, right? Right. He looks, he looks like he's got some dough. Oh yeah. He's got feet. the goods. Yeah, but um, no, from the story, and I've heard it, I've heard it more than once, you might imagine. Uh, Terry Finley is all things West Point, but also all things Flightline. So it is funny to hear him talk about this great horse that he literally has waited his entire life to have a horse like this. And the the ownership group that came together the night of the sale came so quickly and seamlessly where Jane Lyons who bred the horse stayed in and actually named the horse white line. He was named when we bought him and uh, the name certainly fits uh, Sienna Woodford and Ronis racing. Um, we all work well together. You need to have great partners. And naturally when you're talking about these big ticket purchases, you want to get along with your partners. So there hasn't been any drama or anything like that. And West Point owns about 20% of flight line and, it's funny. A lot of the big ticket horses sell out like that. I mean, people that have money and aren't afraid and have the wherewithal to write those big checks, they're willing to take swings and a dream, dream come true. And there's been, you know, a few guys come to mind. It's a wonderful group of people on the West Point side that own Flightline, but there's a couple of guys in particular that are that are older gentlemen that have been around a long time and been longtime West Point partners through thick and thin. So you feel good when someone who's been through the war, bad horses, good horses, what have you, when they, you know, when they, when they buy a horse like this and they can, they can say, that's my horse flight line. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. We're going to talk about flight lines performances in just a little bit as we talk about the first race. So guys, let's get right into the pick five, Jason on Saturday at uh, what I like to call Royal Aqueduct, as I saw Nick Tamaro put out on Twitter, who's a great guy, and uh, sort of 
sort of <laughs> called it that name, which I thought was pretty funny. But Belmont at Aqueduct. We're going to go ahead, Jason, right now. And I'm going to bring up the uh, entries here. This is the Aquabase entries for the first leg of the pick five on Saturday with a bunch of Breeders' Cup winning your in races and preps, of course, for the big races at Keelan. The first one to kick off the pick five is certainly a race that I know Jason and the West Point people are going to be interested in watching, I'm sure. It's the Woodward. It's always a great race. It's for olders. It's a grade one, half a million dollars, a prep for the Breeders' Cup Classic. They're going a mile and eighth. There's the field and the obvious choice here. We don't need to look at the PPs too much here. Life is good is facing a pretty weak field with all due respect to the others. One to nine, the morning line, Pletcher and Irad. And I'm going to go ahead and also put, you'll, you'll see the picks now, uh, Jason, on the bottom of the screen. It'll be a scroll from the um, four of us here. Just one second as I go ahead and do that. And shockingly, we're all going <laughs> with life is good. Jason, I'll let you talk about, there's really not to talk about this race. I think we should just mainly focus on life is good, who's going to be a serious uh, competitor uh, with Flightline, assuming that life is good, of course, goes to the classic. Your thoughts, Jason, in general. He's a wonderful horse. I mean, he really, to have him and Flightline as four-year-olds in the same crop, in training at the same time, is pretty, pretty awesome. I mean, this is a horse that is putting up a, a first ballot Hall of Fame type resume. And I got to I gotta give credit where credit's due. I like them in the Pegasus Dirt, in the Pegasus Invitational last January at Gulfstream. I really thought he was going to be vulnerable in the Whitney. I mean, going going nine at Gulfstream and, and doing a mile and an eighth at Saratoga, two totally different ends of the spectrum. And um, he beat, he beat a, a significant field. I mean, a field far significant than what he's facing on Saturday, which I'm sure Todd is happy about. You could have this horse probably 60% and be good enough to get the job done. My question, and I'd just be curious, I mean, what do you guys think? Because he's in all likelihood going to win this race. How do you guys feel about him? Let's just say he wins and, and fires one of his usual good efforts and firing in the 105 to one. Up, oh. Jason, you froze up there just a second. What do you what? guys think of him moving oh, ahead? Go. Cause I got to think they run in the class at the dirt mile. What do you guys yeah. think of him trying to try to go 10? Pete, go ahead. You've been very patient. What do you guys Pete, think yeah, about this horse talk. trying to go a mile and a quarter? I yeah, mean, Pete, go ahead. I, yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about it on here a bunch of times when, when he's come up and we've always had a little bit of our concern because you know, it just never seemed like it, it never seemed like he wanted to get that that extra that extra furlong. So it just never seemed like it was in the cards. And then, you know, he went to Dubai and he sort of faltered in Dubai. So that sort of raised the concerns even more. I mean, I think in all honesty, the key is going to be we know he's fast. We know flight lines fast. So is the fact that they're going to sort of potentially hook up or at least give, e give each other something to worry about on the front end, which they don't generally get in their races, is that going to take the starch out of that final furlong, final half mile or so? So I think it's one of those where you're not really going to know because this race isn't going to give it to him. You're not really going to know until I think he's head to head with someone who could run on the front end with him. And obviously flight lines, the one who could do that. Paul. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, Jason, for the good of the game, you know, I, we all hope this horse runs off the screen Saturday, so they really have no choice on what, on what to do. Uh, 
I I watched Elliot Walden was on the Breeders' Cup uh, cocktails and the cup show with Brittany and Nick Luck last night. You know, I think if you read between the lines, you know, Elliot, you know him well, I'm sure, Jason, uh, former trainer. You know, he's Windstar is, is one of the great operations. I, I'm reading between the lines. I think that they are going to they, they want to take a shot at the big boy. I, that's my guess. I, and, and you know what? It would be a sin if this horse runs in the dirt mile. It really would. Let's face it. Okay. I mean, and in this race, you know, Jason, they could have left this horse at Saratoga. You could have watched him work out, but he's going to make uh, 300,000 instead of you watching him at the <laughs> right. Oklahoma for nothing. He's going to make right. uh, 300,000 Saturday afternoon downstairs. Don't, but- don't tell that to Uriah St. Louis and informative. Hmm. <laughs> hey, look, Uriah has pulled off some major, major, yes, major upsets. This is not going to be one of them. No, it's not going to be uh, one of them. <laughs> but, you know, really, uh, you know, he's eight for 10 lifetime. You know, he lost in a photo and a sprint to Jackie's Warrior with, a, you know, probably not the greatest trip in the world, ride in the world. And, you know, some horses take to the Dubai trip and some don't. And, you know, he just, he just didn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be banking on the the fade at, in Dubai. I wouldn't base be have that be the basis of my thinking he can't get a mile and a quarter. I, that would be my feeling. Now, look, there's a distinct possibility it doesn't matter with the big boy flight line in the race, but I think it's you know it's Windstar, it's China Horse Club. Uh, you know, they've been in a lot of big races and. And I think Elliot Walden, you know, the races at Keeneland, Elliot is a Kentucky guy. Windstar is one of the Kentucky farms. I think unless something bad happens Saturday, it's all systems go for the classic as it should be. Jason, here's my just quick take and thought. I'm assuming you're going to agree with this statement. I think life is good by far would be the horse that would push Flightline the most in his career to this point, because usually We've seen Flightline rate a little bit, but he's just so naturally fast. We saw in the, in the Pacific Classic, Pratt didn't even have to really ask. He just went to the lead without really asking. But life is good in IRAD, assuming it's IRAD, is not just going to let Flightline just blow by him. So my question to you and the team, I'm not going to ask you what kind of tactics you'd put, but would it be slightly concerning uh, if life is good You know, doesn't allow Flightline to go past and Flightline really hasn't pushed up to the top of the stretch where he's had to fight ever in his life against this kind of horse. Yeah. I mean, it makes, it makes for great conversation and, a, and, a, and, a, and, and great fodder and great theater going in because I mean, as impressive as flight line has been, he has not faced a horse like, like life is good. Um, I'm very encouraged with how relaxed though flight line was in the early <laughs> yes. stages of the Pacific classic. And I just, yeah. You know, I just don't see life as good being able to turn off the way Flightline Flightline is able to to turn himself off with that. And he's got that that extra large gas tank where he can just keep striding away and opening up. So, again, I hope life is good. In fact, he'll probably crush on Saturday and be like 80 percent. And we'll see. We'll see. Ultimately, that's the way it should be coming up. At Keeneland, nonetheless, horse of the year on the line in the BC Classic. I got to ask you about one more uh, West Point horse, which relates to the Classic, because I've been telling Pete and Paul, my my good buddies here on the show, all along that I am fascinated with a horse called First Captain. I've been, I'm a big fan of First Captain. 
I have actually, this is before Flightline went crazy in the, in the, uh, uh, the Pacific Classic. But I do have a, I have a future win bet in, uh, in the Classic on first captain. I, I've been a fan of his, Jason, since he was down at Gulfstream. Even after he was horrible, I think, at a seven furlong race. I'm like, this horse wants to go long. He came through for me in the Pimlico special. How is first captain doing? And I'm playing in the BCBC contest at, at Keelan. Jason, how about a nice, oh, let's say, smash $2,000 exacta, West Point over West Point, flight line, first captain, exacta, boom, in the classic. How's first captain doing? Tell me about him. No, I like the sound of that uh, from your mouth to uh, to the racing gods ears. But no, he's doing he's doing really well. And the Woodward, in fact, it's not my call. I wanted to run for what it's worth. I mean, just being honest, I thought the Woodward would have been a great, great spot to run first captain. The goal with him, the ultimate year end goal is going to be the Clark. I don't know. Oh. I know, and I bet him too. I put. I was like, dude, I just have to get. He's seventy to one or seventy five to yeah. one. I just, I because I, I'm a first captain lover myself. I mean, I've watched him from the winter this past winter at Gulfstream up through now in Saratoga. I mean, I've, I, in terms of West Point, I've watched him train more than anybody else has for the company. So, uh, believe me, first captain is near and dear to me. But I just. This year, the older horses are so solid. Not just life is good in flight line, but the Olympiads of the world and Happy Saver and Hot Rod Charlie, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the plan is with, with first captain, Shug didn't want to run in the Woodward or at least in the end opted to go with the Fayette at Keeneland. And I think ultimately that'll be a prep for him for the Clark Handicap oh, around wow. Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. And hopefully oh, that's Jason, the spot he gets his grade one. I'm sorry. Get Finley on the phone. He's got to change his mind, man. Come on. How are you going to call that? This horse can win. What is second place purse? He got six million. That's one point two million for second in the class. Come on, man. Residual value. A little West Point. West Point. I'm just kidding, Jason. How are you going to call that a no future ticket? A no future ticket. (laughs) A no future. Well, that's breaking news to me. We wish first captain well. I actually thought he ran better than American Revolution in the Woodward. If you really. Watch it carefully. Anyway, we won't talk about it more. Good luck with first captain going for maybe next year's class. Dude, maybe, right? that's not set in stone. And the plan is with first captain to bring him back. We're bringing him back next year at five. Beautiful. I mean, he's healthy and he is just on that like classic older horse shug type trajectory. So we haven't seen the best of what first captain can do. So if, if not a BC classic is in the cards this year, you can you can uh, you can look forward to him in 2023 for sure. All right, and just to wrap up, just to wrap up this race, Jason, you like keep me in mind in second. So do I, um, and so does Pete. Uh, this is a Pletcher horse that did not get a very good trip in the Jockey Club Gold Cup. Likes the distance, should be able to maybe clunk up for a second in this race. Would be logical, exacta. Yeah, I mean, look who he has to run against again with peace and love and all due respect. I mean, the race is a joke outside. Life is good, <laughs> yeah. so. Um, again, this is a pretty, pretty nice racehorse. He's not, he's nowhere near the quality of a life is good, but I think he's got a a class edge uh, on the, on the rest of the field there. Um, what is he third time back for Todd there? Yeah. All right. Let's go on to rate. Let's go ahead in the next uh, race guys. Not much to say there. Race eight, uh, is the Miss Grillo. This is a grade two for two-year-old, uh, fillies. They're on the turf, $200,000. You'd think some of these would go to the Breeders' Cup juvenile, uh, turf race. The Moorline favorite is the number six, be your best for Horatio De Paz and Jose Ortiz. And you can see on the bottom screen, Jason is going to go with the Chad Brown, Flavian Pratt, second choice 
free look. What does he like about this horse, Jason? I liked her maiden win a lot. Now, she had a great trip in that race and tracked a, a screaming pace. There were a couple of duelers in Free Luck's maiden win, uh, Free Luck's maiden win last time out that just pulled away from the field. And, and she had a lot go well for her, where the runner-up, in fact, who's returning fairly early, I think it's race two on Saturday for Kenny McPeak, uh, Fred, Fred something. I can't remember her name. She's kind of got a weird name, but you can watch Chad's horse here just with that quick three to four wide sweep. The horse in the red, though, that just got stuck down inside, she finishes a good second. And uh, what is that? Freddy's the red. She's coming yeah. back in Saturday second, and I think she'll run well. But just this explosive turn of foot. Uh, no one campaigns a horse, especially these young fillies on the grass like Chad. And I like her. I like her to get the job done as she steps up and faces a very worthy foe. I'll let one of you guys take it away with the outside posted horse, who's a perfect two for two and be your best and was very professional last time out. I thought just skimming the rail in the PG Johnson. Yeah. Pete, your thoughts on be your, I'll go ahead and watch the stretch run here and be your best. No. And, and actually Jason said exactly what it was. I, I kind of like the fact that this horse was, was a little bit in tight and then still, you know, for, for a horse who's only in their second start, sometimes that would, you would think that would maybe spook a young horse, but that one sort of waited was patient or the jock was patient, but the horse actually was, a, you know, the horse had the ability and the quickness to sort of hit that hole and sort of explode up the rail once, once the hole opened up. And then I just liked the way she sort of kicked away. And so she never really got that, that full momentum that maybe you would get if you had a clearer run and she still pulls away by whatever it turns out to be three and change. So I just really liked that. And then the first race was, was just as good beat the, beat the Chad Brown horse, but the Chad Brown horse free look had a, had a much more difficult trip was way, way back. So I'm not sure if that's a, I'm not sure if that's truly indicative of the, of the difference between the two, but I, I think this is just sort of a toss up race between those two. And, you know, you just land on one. I wound up landing on the six, Jason, you landed on the, you landed on the, on the two. So I think it's about a 50, 50 shot at this point. Yeah, it feels a little bit, a little bit of a jump ball perhaps between those two, but there's no doubt about it. That Philly on the outside was really good last time out. And then we have the four alluring angel. I mean, what's the story with her stretching out in distance? Yeah, Paul, Paul Jason does not think this is a jump ball. He's going with a little price with alluring angel, um, who is a, by fast, a fast net rock. So what do you like about this horse for Lascano and Jorge Abreu, Paul, who's, I think it's still an underrated trainer. Yeah, I happen to uh... – uh, I happened to be there. Uh, this horse ran uh, the fourth was the Thursday or Friday of Whitney week, I believe. As a matter of fact, I think if I go to my desk, I think I'm in this win picture because I've done a lot. with. <laughs> I, I have to go get it. I've done a lot with Larry Goichman, uh, who, who does a lot with New York Reds. And I went down to congratulate him after that race. And I, I got to give me two seconds because I think I have the win picture. For <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, um, I'll, I'll talk real quick. I, I actually think the three is a little <laughs> interesting, Jason. I'm not going to show the replay, but Pleasant Passage. Um, first of all, Shug does not win a lot first time out, especially going long. No. Um, she, she ran very well, sort of in between horses, got a little bit, came up the rail, got the lead, and it looked like someone was going to come over the top of her. But then Pleasant Passage fought back. Again, you got to watch the replay. It was really impressive. And this horse, Jason, gallops out like an absolute train. So I don't know if Pleasant Passage is going to be better maybe as she goes longer and maybe next year.
But this is a horse that's 8-1 to one morning line with Irad and Shug and only a second-time starter. This three-pleasant passage, guys, is very interesting to me. Paul, I'll let you finish about number four. I learned. Yeah, it was La Chase is the win picture I have. Larry had a great weekend uh, okay. that weekend. But, All right. you know, this horse did come from, you know, the numbers are a little lighter than, than the other two horses you folks had talked about. But he did come from way behind. You know, Kentucky Downs, he also got way behind. And Kentucky Downs this year. Um, it's you know, a she, by the way, Paul. Just want you know it's a she. Oh, there's the fine. Yeah. There, yeah, he the gets fine. a fine, Jason, because we have issues yeah. with calling the horse the wrong jar. And none of us put money are in the swear jar, Paul. That's yeah. five dollars in, in, in the swear jar. Oh, oh god, I'll be broke. Bananas calling, yeah. you know, Phillies, Colts, and vice oh. versa. And every now and then, I'll slip up too, and I just want to hit myself in the head so yeah. hard. So, I Jason, like the swear I. Jar. I, I Jason, I know you've got a partner that, that does the same damn thing like every day, I'm sure, out there. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, so uh, what I was saying is this year, I think Kentucky Downs wasn't the typical, you know, horses coming from, you know, way, way, way behind over the yeah. hill and et cetera. So I, I just think uh, the horse is going to be a little bit pace dependent, and certainly on paper it doesn't look that fast, and, and that could be a problem. But uh, – I do think the horse will be running late. I think she she improved off her first <laughs> start. Go. I think she will jump up again. You know, I don't know what it's going to take to win this race. Is it is it going to be low 80s, you would have to think, right, based on that? You know, she's got a 70. So I, 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 uh, I'm going to go with my guy, Larry, here, who's had – he's had very good luck buying uh, Fastnet Rocks. And uh, I think she has a uh, more than a puncher's chance at a good number. Okay. I think I think too, Paul. She had some, or, or she has. I, I think it's some, you know, relatives along the bloodline who have some graded stakes turf route wins in there. So at least it, it it sort of gives a good indication that maybe this one could can enjoy the stretch out and actually has some some pedigree behind her as well. All right, guys, let's talk about another uh, one of the races that I think is completely wide open. And Ooh. and Paul, Paul and Pete, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of turf sprints, but. You know, this is another example of a race that's just, to me, absolutely impossible. It's the Belmont Turf Sprint. It's a grade three, 200,000, three-olds and up, six furlongs. It's a big field. It's a wide-open field. How do you know that? Because the Moyne Line favorite is the number two, Arzak, at four to one, who's coming off a pretty shaky performance for Trombetta and Irad. And, Jason, you can see on the bottom of the screen, we are going in uh, actually somewhat similar directions considering – the field here. You're going to go with the 10. A new, of course, the New York bread. Dancing Buck for Michelle Nevin and Franco. Go ahead. Yeah, I actually, and I, in picking Dancing Buck, I actually picked against a West Point horse who I just don't want to wow. put too much weight on Voodoo Zip. All right. So Voodoo okay. Zip's the six. We'll talk yeah. about him in a second. But um, right. <laughs> look, I mean, first and foremost, this race is insane. This strikes me as the yeah. kind of race that you could run it 10 times and have eight or nine different winners. It is a race that, you know, I think more than ability. I mean, obviously, you're going to hope and want your horse to bring their A game. But racing luck and just getting the right trip and having things go your way probably is is a bigger angle than any other any other angle you could possibly or metric you could come up with i was i was just really impressed with dancing bucks sprint form i mean it's remarkable how good this horse has gotten in a short amount of time and he's one of again the first four finishers 
coming out of the lucky coin. And I didn't think he had a great cakewalk of a trip, like pretty much chasing the pace three to four wide and just gets, I mean, this photo is insane. And Voodoo Zip, in fact, in the black cap, he dove down inside. And I remember, and we'll talk about a few of these horses coming out of the lucky coin, but I remember Joel Rosario, it had rained couple days before this race or maybe the yeah. day before and Joel felt as everyone kind of drifted off the rail he felt the inside pass were way deeper and ultimately may have caused voodoo zip the win because his run flattened out when he went inside in like a stride and a half but yeah. he's got his work cut out for him I mean the, the, all four of those horses that that completed the super I mean they're they're turf sprinting hard hitters and the majority of this field pretty sharp right now as far as overall form goes well, you mentioned Voodoo Zip, and you know what? That takes that takes some guts, Jason, to go against your West Point boy, but that's what we love about you because you're an honest guy. You're going to keep it straight to people. You're not going to BS people and, and tell something that they shouldn't be hearing. I've met the Clements uh, several times with my connection with the Delphi because they train some of our horses, and, and they, do a, they do a tremendous job. Miguel, who's you know the son of Christoph, and the whole crew is fantastic. You know, he's second off a layoff. There's no reason why he can't improve. All he's got to do is run back to his previous two. I mean, the mid-90s or even the low-90s might get the job done here. Yeah, we'll see. If he gets a good trip, I mean, the thing with him is Joel knows him better than anybody and I think rides him better than anybody. He goes – this horse goes by the beat of his own drum. (laughs) Yeah. And the best thing to do is just, you know – Leave him alone, let him drop back, and he'll come with that run. He's as honest as the day is long. We'll see how he does matching up against these horses. Do I think he's run incredibly outstandingly well in his two stakes attempts so far, and that concerns me a little bit? No, I mean, I think he's run okay, but he hasn't been no he hasn't been anywhere near as dominant as he was in those allowance races. So that's my concern with him. If if he doesn't stack up, he's like right behind, but I'm a big voodoo zip fan and he's trained well and no reason to think he won't run his race here in what is just a wild, wide open race on the Aqueduct card. Paul, I'm going to let you talk next. The other thing I like about this horse, Jason, and I feel the same way about voodoo zip as I feel about the number two, Arzak. Uh, voodoo Zip's going to appreciate the six furlongs. I don't think he's a five and a half. And those really sharp turns at Saratoga, I don't think suit Voodoo Zip or Arzak. I, I know Arzak is coming from how many turns, Paul, Kentucky Downs? Is it eight, you said? Going <laughs> well, no. But... I think in the, in the sprints, it's only three, I think. Okay. <laughs> actually, what do you like about Arzak, Paul? What do you like about Arzak, Paul? Well, you know, Jason brought up the fact there's four horses coming out of the lucky coin. So you you got to make a decision, right? Because they're, they're, all, they're all pretty much right there, right? I ended up going away from that race. I do, I do like Voodoo Zip. Um, uh, he was third on my ticket. I was almost picking Dancing Buck, and then I said, you know, I'm gonna, I'm going away from the Lucky Coin. I'm gonna take one of the horses out of the other races. So let's look at Arzak. If you go two back, he's three quarters off Golden Pal, who you know may or may not still be the fastest turf sprinter. I kind of think he's going to get beat in the Breeders' Cup, but I'll be in the minority on that. But having said that, in a grade three at Saratoga, he's pretty damn imposing. You know, again, we're back to the Kentucky Downs thing. It it sounds like I'm making excuses, but, you know, he just did not uh, – he was was on the pace early and and just didn't fire. Uh, 
I think he gets a much better trip today. Uh, I do agree, Howard. I think six is is the right uh, distance as opposed to five and a half. And I'm hoping he can overcome all four coming out of that lucky coin. But I will be using uh, Dancing Buck as an A and Voodoo Zipper is going to be a game time decision. He's okay. if he's not an A for me, he's a he's a B plus. All right, uh, very quickly, Pete, because we're we we're we're not running short on time. I don't want to take too much time from Jason. We still have two other races uh, to talk about. How about some love for the New York Red Scuttlebuzz? Who, Pete? I almost put this horse on top. I think his form is completely dirtied up. I don't like the twelve hole. And Rudy's been a bit cold, but there's a lot of things I like about the 12, uh, Pete, personally. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, although I should say to Jason, I, I should probably take your job at, at, at West Point now because I'm the only one who put the six on top at, out of us. So <laughs> we, should probably, right? we should probably switch. I'm the only loyal one. But no, I just want – if it's scuttlebuzz, yeah, there, I mean, a couple easy things are four for four at Aqueduct, six for nine wins at the distance, eight out of nine in the top two at the distance. Yeah, I do think it is muddied up. You go two back. That was at a mile. You know, that race was at a mile and just sort of was way in the back and, and pretty much had no chance. Then you go back to the Jiper, which is just a much better field than anyone in here. I mean, I think this is a really competitive field, a lot of good horses, but there's no great horses. They're all pretty even across the board. So I just think this one maybe hasn't run his best yet in the, in 2022, aside from that initial race back in April. But I think if he can get back to that against a field that I think he's more suited to his probably talent level, then I think he does have a good shot. Again, the 12 hole isn't the best, but I think that's sort of baked into the fact that we're getting a 10 to one price. Plus Howard, you know me, it's a gray closer. So I can't leave a gray closer off my ticket. That's just, that's just sacrilege. Yeah, I, Jason, I just think he's really dirtied up and he's going to be a price. Any quick thoughts on Scuttlebuzz and we'll move on, Jason? No, I think I think Pete Pete summed it up perfectly. There's no doubt this horse is dirtied up. I think my concern is just Rudy being so cold, but you're, you're being compensated in a, in a wide-open race with a horse who's going to be a nice price. So no knock on Scuttlebuzz because, I mean, geez, prior to him – trying a mile going down to parks on the dirt. I mean, he had run some pretty solid races for sure. Some good points there. Well, I was yeah. about nine deep when I first went through this race. So it's not like I had him as a strong as anybody. I see, by the way, Howard Kyle's in the, uh, Kyle's in the chat. This is another one of the smoke and Jay invitationals. So our, 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 co our contributor, Kyle Roscoe to the podcast, Jason, he's got a piece of smoke and Jay who, who is all over the, you know, the, the past races of a lot of these horses. So we always, yeah, we right always on. give him a shout out when we're looking at the, the turf sprints. All right, guys, here's another win in your end. This is one of my favorite races of the year, to be very honest. It's just, it's a fantastic race. It's babies stretching out to a mile. It's the champagne. It's, of course, a grade one. It is a qualifier winner in for the Breeders' Cup. Half a million dollars for these two-year-olds. It's a small field this year. It's a field of six. With the Moorline favorite bring, uh, being a horse that just broke his maiden, really impressively verifying for Cox and rosario jason you're gonna stick to your guns here and go with a horse that was disappointing last time but i think you you believe that asperson and, and jose ortiz are going to get this horse in the right position and run a big race golf ports uh for those connections getting in the right position i think is a good good phrasing or even segue into why i picked him and it's not a super strong 
selection or pick on my part because the, the race came up, as you guys can attest to, very difficult. In the end, though, I was just like, you know, I think he's going to get a good trip from out there. There's so much speed down inside, and and Jose should be able to just stalk out there. And maybe this horse didn't, although in terms of a figure it, on buyer anyway, it was his second fastest race ever. Maybe this horse didn't like the sloppy track, just the way he was getting out right above the quarter pole and the hopeful. The outside post won me over with the horse that I would like to see just settle a little bit stock and then try to just grind everybody down i think he'll he'll like going a mile this colt by uncle mo i'll take golf for it but a very difficult champagne it's a really hard race jason there's other speed in this race and i'm a little first of all i would never bet golf for a two to one i don't know how you feel about that but there's a lot of other speed in this race do we we still don't know if golf Port can really sit and finish i mean he did stalk and win in his maiden and then he finished second at the saratoga special but there's a part of me feels like there's going to be a lot of speed in this race. And even though right. he's got an outside post, Jason, he still is going to have to pass a bunch of horses potentially, unless you think Asperson's just going to tell Jose to send at all costs and just wire the field. What, what would you tell Jose to do if you own Gulfport here? I would say just let let him settle from out there. Just okay. get him into a good groove and wherever you are. I mean, he's naturally fast. He's not going to be – closing from right. from fifth or sixth but just let him get into a nice rhythm and that post can afford him the opportunity to just do it from the outside and you know maybe he's a, a horse that'll that'll prefer not having to be although he's naturally quick really scrubbed yeah. on and he can just settle and we'll see how he does against verifying who obviously cost a lot and was tipped out on Travers day and ran like a good thing at three to five and i will I'll turn it over to you guys. I know Brad Cox likes this horse a lot, but this horse was also a little immature going into this first race at the spot. Go ahead, Paul, because you were probably assuming, I don't know if you were there for that, Paul, but. Yeah, I, I was here. And, you know, again, you know, it's it's no no surprise when a, a, a top trainer, you could see him uh, veering in there, you know, unleashes what they think is a really good horse on, on Travis Day. Um you know, you'll you'll see the stretch here. He's going to ease away, but you know, this is not right. Reminding anyone of favorite trick uh, as a two-year-old, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I I be honest with you, I'm I picked this horse third because there's only what six, but I don't I don't really want much part of this horse on the win end in this race. To be very honest with you, uh, he he like could all. be really good, but I. He's going to beat me. Uh, you know, I went with the one. Uh, my, my New York bread bias is coming through. But, you know, I got to tell you, I, I thought his Sanford was not was not too bad. Now, you know, we don't know how good Mo Strike is or, or isn't. But, um, you know, this horse put up an 80 last time. And, you know, Gulfport, who's going to be the favorite, put up an 86. So he's in. He, he's right there. This horse sat a half a length off a 21-1 and one pace last time. So even though he wasn't on the lead, he was third. He was only a half length. They were flying in that race. And, you know, he went by. And look, it was a state-bred stakes race, an ungraded race. I get it. But if you just visually watch, he went by pretty easily. Uh, of course, he's a, he's a brother of Forense Fire, who they took a similar attack with. Uh, they went to the Derby with Forense Fire. And, uh, you know, that – They've had this race on the schedule. You know, they were going to, if they didn't, if the funny side didn't fill, they had nominated to the hopeful. So 
they were ready to run in the hopeful on closing day. So they're, they're not afraid to take a shot. You know, the funny side was a $200,000 race that, you know, he's going to be four to five, three to five in. But again, does he have to step up to beat a few of these horses? Yes. But verifying first time against winners, Gulfport, you know, no tangible excuse for either of the last two races. I'm not so sure how good Forte is. He could be really good, but he'll have to prove it to me. Uh, Blazing Sevens was beaten 12 – Howard Yohos, he was beaten 12 lengths in that race. I, I don't yeah. know how good the hopeful was. So I'm going with the uh, the uh, Mr. Ramori stable. All right. Uh, Peter, if all due respect, I'm just going to talk about the five, and I'll let you talk about the no, last race first because we got to move on. The, the uh, This five – Jason, there's a horse that won today called Unbridled Bomber at 18 to 1. And he looked really slow, but there was a lot of speed in that race. He looked like the only closer. And I know you, you know, you, you've been handicapping a long time. Sometimes these kind of like slower horses get the job done because of the setup. I don't know how good Blazing Sevens is, but he seems to be one of the few horses in here, Jason, that could sit off and finish. And like you mentioned about Gulfport, maybe he just didn't handle the slop. I mean, these are babies. This is Chad Brown and Flavian at a price and a grade one. I mean, I'll, I'll be happy to take a price on Blazing Sevens. And if he doesn't run well, okay. He's by good magic out of a Warriors reward there. Any quick thoughts on Blazing Sevens, Jason? We'll get to the last race. No, I think it's, I think it's a good point just in terms of distance also. Pace scenario and what will likely be a, a searing pace combined yeah. with all these horses having to go what'll be i would have to imagine is a pretty demanding one turn mile uh, sometimes you get a little chaos there and maybe just being in the right place at the right time for blazing sevens uh, will help them out there we'll see i'm curious pete i know we got to get on to the last what's your two cents on gulfport there yeah i i, I thought <laughs> i really liked the first two the last two i mean like i guess in the last one i think you sort of referred to it where sort of blew the turn a little bit and, and sort of lost some momentum there. Didn't yeah. like that. It was, I don't know if that was green. I don't know if that was the slop. And then two back was sort of checked and, and didn't have the best trip, but also didn't, like Howard said, didn't finish well. The one thing I don't like is that he's on his fourth jockey now. So you, you sort of like when a jockey gets to know the horse a little bit. And like you were saying, I'd like this horse to relax maybe and maybe sit off and let the race flow dictate but maybe because no one ever rides this horse twice in a row since the first two, that doesn't get a chance to happen because they're not really as familiar with how this horse runs or how it wants to run. So that's a concern, but I just like the, I don't know. I think this is one where I, I'm hoping that I think this horse has a lot more in him than he showed in his last two. And I'm hoping if he gets the right trip and he gets the right ride, then, and he's, and he sort of settles some of that greenness then that'll come out here. And I'd like yeah. to get that. Let's get that price to, to float up a little bit over, over two to one would be nice too. Yeah. Three to one, three to one ish feels. I'll take that. Three and a half. Yeah. On Gulfport, you are not getting, you guys, <laughs> you, come on, Jason. Have you been to the potting glass before you came on the air, Jason? Come on. We, no, Gulfport. I'm stone cold sober. So who's going to well, be Gulfport. favorite? Think the, is Gulfport favorite or is it the justify for Cox? Who goes off the favorite here? I, I would think the three. I think verifying. It's going to be close. Yeah, maybe because, you know, we people love the ones and, and he he's one for yeah. one. But I think it's going to be close. So what is verifying, what, eight to five and Gulfport two to one? 
Right. At the, I don't think you're going to get over two to one on it. Again, I might want to bet golf port at like two to one, five to two, but I'll take it in my pick five, which is oh, a little oh, bit different. Yeah. yeah. A win bet as opposed no to the doubt. pick five is the, is the, Guys, and by I, the way, Paul, I just, I, I, I mocked Howard for, for not, uh, not giving love to the Italians and I leave the one horse off my, my top three. I didn't thank know if God you noticed I, that for a, for thank God I'm here, I know. Thank I know. God. And I, I, I I'm felt bad. Italian with an Irish name. <laughs> I felt bad, but, you know, I have to do what I got to do sometimes. By the way, that is completely false, Jason. I have no idea where the time I love the Italians. Um, <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. I think just, I'll just answer your question, Jason. I think verifying is going to get really bad hard. I think it's going to be like six to five. I re- it's Cox. It's Rosario. He just won big. He's got great works. There, people are down on Gulfport. I think I think verifying is six to five. I'm not saying he should be. I'm not saying he's going to win. Um, I just think he's six to five. And the last thing I'll say on blazing sevens, don't you think Chad would pick a different spot if he wasn't confident with this horse? I mean, Chad's not the kind of guy that wants to embarrass himself. I sure. think he knows this horse has talent, Jason, and he knows it's a small field. I don't think he's just like taking a shot. I think he really likes this horse and just tossing out the slop effort. So anyway, that's my two cents on blazing uh, sevens there. Let's go to last race, guys, which is really difficult. Just take about two minutes, Jason. And then we'll uh, talk about your pick five and what you go for the night. Uh, we appreciate you being on the show. Uh, the last race is really tough, I thought. It's an allowance race, uh, six furlongs, New York breads, Phillies, three-year-olds and up, $85,000 the purse on the dirt. The favorite is the number three, Can't Hurry Love for Clement and Franco. And Jason and myself and Paul are all going with the eight, Rebo's Valentine for the aforementioned. Ray Handel and Dylan Davis. Go ahead, Jason. Well, we started the show with Ray Handel and a win with <laughs> yep. Funny How, and here's to Ray winning the uh, nightcap on Saturday on Woodward Day at the Big A with Rebo's Valentine. This is a, a pretty pretty hungry group, even for the level with this state bread A other yeah. than. And I, I found it a race where I didn't love anybody, but that said, I thought it was tough to get cute with some of the bigger priced horses and, and off that it's a simple case of me going, okay, this Philly, this Philly comparable to what she's facing has some ability. She's well posted. And what won me over in the end was just her second off the layoff. I'm just hoping she takes a step forward and just found the right spot. This is a pretty, even for the New York bread restricted condition, this is a pretty, pretty soft field. And there's a lot of speed in this race. I mean, this, this is a, this is a cluster, and I, I, you know, can't hurry. Love, I suppose, will be the favorite, and she's also second off the lay- layoff for Clement. Jason, this is like a pure one number horse. I mean, yep. she could explode to a mid eighties, or she could finish in six. I mean, I have no idea what this horse is going to do. To be very honest, she's a good What's fit. I mean, no, this she she stacks up very favorably. Even kind of putting your thumb over that last race, like her maiden races were respectable for the most part. But yeah, it, you know. It's like, which one of these doesn't belong? And you go, wow, where did that last race come from? And then naturally you look, it was a sloppy sealed track. So this is, this is going to be, you know, put up or shut up time for can hurry love. Has she just turned the corner late in her three-year-old season, or is she just a bad favorite here off what could be a number that is just not going to be predictive for her next start here against winners. 
I agree. Pete, real quick, talk about the seven. I'll talk about the five, and then we'll get Jason's pick five and wrap up his portion of the show. What do you yeah, like about the seven, Pete? Real I didn't quick. love any horses here, but if I look at the seven, the one thing I did like since since um, she's moved to the to the Lucas Barn, she hasn't been as good. But I, what I the one thing I did like is those were at five and a half and four and a half at the six furlong. Still, actually ran a pretty good race. Yeah, so it wasn't point. really so I was a little short, maybe a little too short for for her. But then if you look back when when Wayne Potts was training her and she was at Aqueduct, she's firing mid eighty buyers and or you know upper seventies, eighty, eighty five buyers. That towers over the rest of them in this field. So if this horse can can get back to that. I mean, one for 10 at the distance, three for 14 lifetime isn't exactly screaming confidence, but I do like the five out of seven in the money at Aqueduct. So maybe just has an affinity for this track and getting back on this track is going to bring back that, that prior form and getting that horse at six to one in a field that I think is crazy wide open. I'll take it every time. Pete, you're almost forcing me to make an, an inappropriate Wayne Potts comment, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go there, and I'm not gonna ask Jason to go there either. And I'm gonna go. I know what any... you mean, but yeah, not... all right. We'll <laughs> leave, we'll leave no, alone. I'm, sure, I'm sure those figs were because of Aqueduct. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, you know, maybe <laughs> you could well, ship. You maybe scratched... could ship some over. Maybe could ship some over. You know, we could. Maybe it's just waiting in her stall. I'll take it. It could be, it could be accidentally in the stall. You know. Scratch away pots off as a guest on this. All right. Anyway, <laughs> um, guys, quickly, Captain's Daughter is exactly the situation in the last race with Blazing Sevens, Jason. This is a horse in general I would hate. One for 16, looks blah. But you know what? He's got one of the better late time form U.S. pace figs. There's a lot of speed in this race. There's horses like Can't Hurry Love, Jason, that if they don't get the lead, who knows what's going to happen. I'm not saying Captain's Daughter can win, guys, but this is a fascinating horse for me underneath at least to fill out your your exactas your tries your supers number five and i love turnbacks jason also so in a race that's completely wide open i do like the eight i'm throwing in the five in for a second jason let's quickly look at your um pick five and then we'll, we'll let you go here we talk a lot about ticket construction i'll let you take as much time as you want because we've already gone over uh we're good with our time but i always feel bad when we we take up your time um, let me take this off the screen here. Sorry about that. There we go. Um, talk as much as you want about your pick five. Let me read it, Jason, because we do have a listening platform. People can't see this if they listen to it later. Jason's pick five is one with two six, with one two six, ten eleven, with one three six, excuse me, with two three eight. I mean, the obvious single with life is good. I mean, I want people to play the pick five. But maybe display a pick four. I mean, we always talk pick fives on the show, but it almost seems silly to play a pick five on Saturday. Yeah, but it'll be interesting. I always feel like even if you have like a monster chalk, and I get this is like on the end of the spectrum as far as like big chalks go and and horses that are going to pay 210, 210 with life is good. Maybe you get a few extra bucks for playing the pick five. I didn't have any sort of earth shattering sort of opinions regarding just putting a ticket together. It was a little, what does Matthew say here? Goldport's thoroughbred figures tower over this field, but these are two year olds and lightly raced horses can really improve. Yeah, no, well said. Well said there, Matt. Look, I, I singled life is good. I took the two chalks, Chad's horse and the, uh, the pause Philly and the Miss Grillo. I wanted a lot of coverage in the, in the Belmont aqueduct turf sprint. I went bananas there. I'm three deep in the second to last leg. The one race that concerns me about this, I might be a little 
if the Clement horse is a bit of a phony, can't hurry love in the last race, the Ray Handel horse doesn't move forward like three there of you us go. expect. Brooklyn to, Heights yeah. for the home. I was looking and I'm like, you know what? I, I This is a barn. I don't know if you could ever catch in your wildest dreams. Like, be like, yeah, I cashed a ticket on a Uriah St. Louis trained horse. But, you know, looking at the fact she's a New York bred, she's been running against opens at parks. Her figures are okay. Again, if the Clement Philly is is a is a bit of a bust, and the, the Ray Handel Philly doesn't step forward, like I'm hoping that rat last race has a number of similarities to the to the turf sprint stake, where it could really turn into just sort of a random, almost pulling a slot machine handle. So. <laughs> I'm belaboring the point. I'm a little light on the last leg, but the rest of the ticket is pretty obvious in my book as to why I use those horses. If Informative and Brooklyn Heights win in this pick five, we're we're talking five-digit score. It's got to be. Uh, Jason Blewett, we really appreciate you being on the show, man. You are awesome. You're a great guy. We wish you great success with uh, West Point Thoroughbreds and your family and everyone else. Anything else you'd like to – let me take your banner off here. Anything else you'd like to say to the partners or anyone, or the betters or anyone listening about Saturday um, at Aqueducts or just anything in general? Well, I will be. In fact, tomorrow morning I am getting on the road. We have got Parnak running in classic colors on the Friday card at, at the Big A. Uh, both of them have trained well. If I had to pick up the here two – I like Parnak a little bit better than Classic Colors. I, I think this French bred Parnak, we bought her right around Christmas time privately. She was among, and depending upon who you talk to, was Germany's top-rated two-year-old filly last year on the grass. We bought her. We've had some some minor hiccups along the way, but her race in the Travers Day finale was excellent with a difficult trip. I'm going to be yes. really bummed that Parnak does not run the best race of her life in the States. And that Army Mule Firster we have on Saturday, Mount Up, had trained, I think, so-so the, from the vibe I was getting from Todd and, and Todd Pletcher and Byron Hughes, his Belmont assistant throughout August. His last two works from the gate, though, much improved. And uh, I think Mount Up will give a, a good account of himself on Saturday. And Army Mule won today, I think, for Pletcher, if I recall. And uh, I singled Parnak, by the way, that day. And she, I mean, I, I like uh, that horse. She got a rough trip. Anyway, I don't want to get into it. She's and a good filly, man. Let, Battle of Normandy on Sunday, real quick about, about this horse, which is a Breeders' Cup winning you're in, I believe, the Pilgrim. Yes, a big field. And again, I say this lovingly, there's a lot of horses on paper uh, that are a little tough to make in my mind. So I'm hoping he just gets a good trip. But he's another one. And you guys are obviously hardcore handicappers and students of the game. Go back and look at his race in the with anticipation. He was very unlucky not to win, but... He's trained great for Shug, and look, you got to be Chad's horse in that race. But between Parnak and Battle of Normandy, if, if neither one of them runs well, I'm going to be uh, heading, driving back up the uh, Taconic uh, Sunday night with my head spinning. But uh, we're emptying out the barn this weekend at Aqueduct, and uh, it was a pleasure joining you guys here and everybody listening on the podcast. And just long live horse racing. I want want the yeah. game to thrive. We want safe racing. I just I want the game to be on firm ground where everybody is happy and everybody's got a fighting chance. We agree. You'll be at the Breeders' Cup, correct, Jason? Oh, yeah. Yeah, got my right. tickets. And, uh, yeah, see you at Keeneland. If you're at the Big A this weekend, yeah. I'll be downstate. Stop by, say hi, and um, 
I look forward to seeing you guys again soon for sure. Hey, hopefully we'll see you at the, I'll be at the BCBC and I'll, I'll find a way to buy you a beverage, a bourbon or, you know, some, some, something. We'll figure it out. Thanks, Jason. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Bye, Jason. guys. Thanks, Thanks so care, much. Man. All right. Bye. See you Thanks guys. Bye-bye. See you. All right. Jason. Jason Blewett from West Point Thoroughbreds. Great guy. Really appreciate all the time he spent. Real quickly, guys, let's go to our pick fives. Paul, let's go to yours first, Paul. You've got one with two, four, six, with two, six, seven, ten, twelve, with one, six, with three, seven, eight. Shockingly under $50, a $45 ticket i know uh, i'm disappointed pete i'm disappointed i'm surprised you, 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 I'm surprised you, you didn't add one mouth, i'm surprised you didn't add one just for fun yeah. paul just to when, just when throw you, anybody when on you it. go five deep in a leg and two deep in another leg it tends to land it on a, <laughs> a five or a ten but yeah you know look I, I hear what you're saying howard you know the inclination with a horse like life is good is you want to beat them because then you really can get paid in a multi-race sequence you know, I, I just don't know where you would go in, in this race. Now, yeah. you know, you could say, well, he's he's off, what, nine weeks? Is it eight weeks, seven weeks, whatever. Do they need to win this race? No, but I do think they want this horse to tell them he he's ready to go to the Classic and take on Flightline. So um, – I, I wasn't going to try to get smart there because when I try to get smart, I get stupid. <laughs> uh, you know, the next race is I went three out of six, I, I think, right, Howard? I think I went with uh, you went yeah, two. two. You went the, the, two with the, two, the two and the six were the logicals, and the four was that sprinter you liked a little bit. I like Larry Goitschman's horse, right? Yeah. And then I'm I'm right with the crew on that ninth race, Howard. I went five deep, and I could have kept going, right? Uh it, it's just it, that's the race, you know. That's the race in a sequence like this with life is good, where if you go five deep and get a two to one shot, you just want to jump jump off a bridge somewhere because yeah. you, you you know you really in this sequence, if you want to get paid at all, you you need at least a decent price in in that third leg, uh, and then in the fourth leg I was three deep, but in the interest of getting the ticket under $50 for Uncle Cheapo, I I cut one out, and I cut out, actually, I, I cut out verifying. How's that? Because I figured, well, if you get verifying and what? life is good, you know, so I, I said, if I'm going to have to cut one out, uh, if, if, if those two win, it probably isn't paying. And then the last race, uh, I believe I have the logicals, uh, three, seven, eight. I don't really love the three on the win end, uh, but to Jason's point, it's not really that strong a field. And if I'm four for four, I don't really want to get beat by him. I agree with you there. Uh, Pete, your pick five, nice and cheap for Pete this week. He's going one with six, with six, seven, nine, ten, twelve, with two, three, four, six, with three, seven, eight, thirty bucks. Nice and easy there. Starting with two singles, Pete. Yeah, I mean, life is good is an obvious single. I don't think we need to say much about that. And the second leg on, on this ticket, I just didn't want to put the the Chad horse free look and the six be your best. I didn't want to put them both on. So I went with the one that I like a little bit better, the six. So I went with the single there to try and cheapen this ticket. Because I agree with Paul, depending on what happens in these last few legs, this can get cheap real quick, the payout. So Again, I went super deep. And then when you get, if we looked at like an ABC grid, I think almost every horse in the third leg is going to be on it, except for maybe two. 
fourth leg, I, I did something I probably don't really want to do is I included sort of verifying and golf port. So basically the first four choices, which isn't the smartest thing, but I, I sort of think it's a little bit wide open. And then that last leg, I don't know. The last leg was a toss up. I, I do like that. I don't know. I like the three, seven and eight best, but that's with almost no confidence at all. I wouldn't have minded going a little bit deeper there. If I wanted to bump this ticket up, it would probably be to add a couple more in that last leg. Yeah. Um, here's my pick five. Is Howard singing life is good or is he going to try to get stupid in that race? Uh, let's see. No, come on guys. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> my pick five is going to be one with two, six with two, six, seven. 10, 11, 12, with 3, 5, with 3, 5, 6, 8, it's $48. Look, guys, I, I want everyone to play pick fives, I mean, because it's fun. I have to say, I don't know if I'm playing pick five Saturday. The pick four seems a lot like a much more logical bet to me. Um, I realize I'm going chalk and then chalk, chalk in the first two, but I do have prices in the other legs. I'm going very deep in the sprints. I'm throwing blazing sevens as a possible price shot in the champagne. And then I've got uh, a possible bomb with the five. Who's that turn back in the last race, which could be anyone. If it's not the, you know, the three or possibly the eight, we didn't even talk about the six, in the last race for Linda rice. Who's not great with longer layoffs, but that's another lightly raced horse guys. I have to say that uh, again, the pick five, might not be worth playing with life is good. I would recommend everyone really playing the pick four. I think that'd be a better bet. And of course you have to um, figure out how many favorites you want to use. I think Pete and Paul laid it out very well. Um, but you know what guys, how many times have we been this through before to finish out the show, Paul and Pete and myself, we've been doing this a long time. Every time, well, it's going to be chalky. It's going to be chalky. It ends up paying huge. And I'm not saying life is good is going to lose Paul. But maybe something goofy happens in the second race. Maybe you get a bomb in the last race. I mean, even with Life is Good winning, which is basically a glorified pick four, it still could pay. Well, and that's why in an ABC format, which I think we all play, you know, you, you can't play your all A ticket for 50 cents uh, with a Life is Good in there because you, you could yeah. get back 78 cents. <laughs> so, you know, I think you got to, uh, if, you, if you're going to be right elsewhere, uh, oh, Penn State Scott. Oh, hey, I'm, hey, look it. I've never been afraid of peer pressure, Penn State Scott. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Will that be know, the last I, time for a flight line? That's a big question. We don't know. Well, you know, it's funny, Howard. I, I mentioned listening to Elliot Walden on the Breeders' Cup uh, uh, cocktails at the Cup show yesterday. And one of the, they asked him, obviously, about, about keeping really good horses like that in training, right? Cause that's the decision. Cause you know, the stud deals are kept he, and you know, they were asking about, you know, what he thought about flight line. Cause that's the, what we're talking about. And he said for a horse like that, the insurance runs about five or $600,000, which means in effect to keep that horse in training, you basically have to win a million dollar race to cover the insurance. And then the rest of the year, is everything else. And not to mention, you know, what you could be cost in stallion fees, right? Flight line's going to, you know, what's he going to open at? A uh, hundred, 150, you know, who knows? 75, you know, cover a hundred, 150 mares his first year. So we all hope he stays in training, but 
you know, those, those are the type of decisions that they have to make. Well, you can make oh, that, right. you can it's make that 500 grand or in, in Saudi or Dubai pretty quick. <laughs> well, you, you, yeah, you, Pete, you could stay in training through March. Yeah. That's just through, you don't have to stay. And, and Elliot talked, he did, Pete, it's a good point. Elliot talked about that. He said that is, those races are a factor in deciding whether to keep horses in training because, you know, from the Breeders' Cup to Saudi, Pete, is what, three months? Yeah. Not so bad. it's, it's not even, a, it's not a long layoff. Yeah. Go ahead, Howard. You were going to say something. Well, I say into mischief. I think is 150 stud. I I, I believe that's correct. Uh, I think he's hot. I think he's up to like 225. But you know, I mean, flightline stud fee is going to be. I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, I, ridiculous. Uh, which yeah. guarantees, by the way, nothing. Oh, yeah, correct. That's, it <laughs> guarantees if you breed to him, Howard, you're going to spend a lot of money. Yeah. Um, Pete, final thoughts about Saturday. Well, I think the big thing is life is good. And we want to see, I think, for from a racing fan perspective, like Paul said earlier, we want to see him run off the screen just so it sets up the big showdown between him and Flightline and whoever else shows up. But we, we always want to go into the last big race, you know, the last big race of Breeders' Cup weekend with some sort of drama. And if life is good, isn't that great on Saturday? then that takes a lot of a lot of the drama maybe away from the classic and nobody wants that to happen. So hopefully he runs wild and wins by 12 and and we can go into the Breeders' Cup with a little head to head talk for once. Paul, final thoughts? Uh, Howard, I I just want to talk about we talked about Aqueduct today and congratulations. I I just want to talk about a situation that happened. Was your horse in the first race, Howard? Yes, sir. Okay, so. In the third race today was a New York bred stakes race. It was won by a horse called Jackson Heights, 24 to one, a Zilla racing maiden, maiden horse winning uh, a stakes race. A turf Obviously, horse, a, a turf horse, Paul, a turf horse. Uh, correct. Obviously, a, obvi- well, you'll feel different when I finish the story. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Huge, huge thrill. You know, Zilla is similar to a Delphi, a smaller, relatively smaller operation, huge thrill. 30 minutes before that race, in the second race, which is in between your race and that race, Zilla and Blackjack Racing, it's a combined uh, ownership, ran a horse in a $100,000 open maiden special, a horse called Jackson Heights, who ran a good second. Linda Rice had two in the race, and Linda Rice, her two-to-one shot won, the Zilla three to five shots, Jackson Heights ran second. On the gallop out, Jackson Heights took a bad step, fractured a right front, and had to be euthanized pretty much right away. So if you want a microcosm of this game, you know, and I know Mike very well, and I'm probably going to write about this for, for our website uh, over the next few days, you know, from the lowest of the low, and then 30 minutes later to winning a stakes race. Not that that in any way takes the, you know, the, the horror out of what happened, but it's a tough game, you know, and we're all in it for the horses. And I just wanted to bring that up because I, I just think it so perfectly illuminates that in this game, you, you, it's, it's a roller coaster, right? It's, it's not for the faint of heart. So, but you know, and I know Mike, I have a very, very small piece of a few horses, the Zilla people are great people, like the Adelphi people, like the West Point people, and certainly our hearts go out. And, and actually, Howard, one of our my good friends, who's a loyal, got introduced me to you, Dr. Jeff Mora from South Florida, was a, was a part owner of the Jackson Heights horse. So he actually went through that as an owner today. So that's that's my 
I don't want to end oh, on a down note, I, but I, 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 I didn't just know that thinking. story, so I didn't mean to make light of anything. Yeah. Uh, no, I it's didn't just, know that story, you know, obviously. It's a tough game. It's a tough game. Very Well, congratulations to them for winning the stake race with uh, Orlando Noda, again, just, you know, was able to train a horse and surprise them. He ran huge. <laughs> that horse ran huge for a 24 I mean, I, he knocks me out of the pick five, and on the turn, I'm like, this horse can win. I mean, it was unbelievable. Howard, uh, Howard, against... you you know my son. How do you not put the Jackson in Jackson. there? Come Wait, on. you didn't even put your own son. What are you talking about? You well, were I didn't. Show. I didn't play the sequence. My, I can tell you. I don't know if my dad is watching right now, but dad, you better have had that fifty dollars horse. And don't give me some crap about hey, I saw it, but then I forgot to put it in. That's always his excuse. So my pop usually bets all the Jackson horses. So that's a fifty dollars winner. He should have had. I will say this, Pete. Go go find the PPs if you can. Maybe I'll take a picture and send. I'll I'll send you the the, the PDF or whatever you can take. If you were able to find this horse in the winter circle, God bless you because the horse had two semi okay efforts <laughs> on turf, a horrible race in the slop. Then they ran. I think it's is that a girl? Were they girls? I think they were girls. I'm sorry if they. I now I'm screwing it up. Jackson, anyway, no, that was a cult. It was a boy. Okay. Uh, ran the horse on on slop was horrible. I will say one thing, Paul, about that horse that I was upset that I didn't see. He did have a good work, and I really didn't look at it. He had one nice work on the dirt that I should have paid more attention to. But anyway, Pete, this horse looks well in Jackson three to five. How the 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 horse that uh, Linda Rice lost the Jack uh, uh, Rockets race. There was a three to five shot in that race, which is one of the reasons why you had horses drifting up to twenty five to one. And Jackson's birthday was on was on Saturday, so it was all kismet, right, leading right into this. So you know, forget the works, forget the handicapping. Sometimes it's just about you know, just just luck. Thanks, Christine. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, guys, excuse me, wrap up the show with what you see on the bottom uh, of the screen. I, I showed a few things on the uh, banners there. Uh, Jim Goodwin, he's a great guy. If you guys don't know him, he's going to be with us Tuesday. Perfect timing, right? He's going to take a time out of his very busy schedule next week with Keeneland opening. He's the director of wagering development right up our alley, guys. I've met him a few times. He also helps run the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. Um, so this, he will be with us the second half of the show on uh, Tuesday after we talk about these recaps from Santa Anita and also from Aqua guys. It's been a real pleasure. It's been a long night and you guys know why. So I appreciate all the effort you've put in as do our viewers. Everyone good luck on Saturday Aqua for my co-host Pete Visco and Saratoga specials own Paul Haller. This has been Howard Kravitz episode 183 of the HHH Racing Podcast. Check myself out and Kyle Roscoe this Saturday on the Hawthorne YouTube channel starting at 3 p.m. Eastern as we try to tackle the best handicappers in the country and win ourselves a seat, the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. Take care, everyone. Have a great night. Bye-bye.